you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. The way he give it to me, we'll all be good. Uh, I just hope and pray that I can. And uh, we're going to be on the topic, really on the topic of revival. Uh, is what we're going to be on tonight. Um, so if you have your Bibles, Ezekiel chapter number 37. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses here to you, and we'll see what the Lord has. If you find your place, please stand for, with us for the reading of God's Word. Ezekiel chapter number 37. The Bible says this in verse number 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out of the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Verse number 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? What an interesting question. Can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Jump down to verse number 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and, I, and, and, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. We know if you go on and read, God did put breath into them, and they became a great army once again. God, I pray, Lord, you'll touch tonight in the reading of your word. God, I pray, God, that you touch us and help us tonight, God. Help us preach like a dying man to a dying people, God. God, bring back to memory everything that we've studied, God. I pray, God, you fill us up tonight, God. Give us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight, church. Um, Ezekiel chapter number 37. I love, like I said before, I love this. Ezekiel is one of the, is one of the major prophets of our Bible. And uh, if you want to look at him like that, he was a long-winded preacher. Uh, I know y'all don't know any long-winded preachers around here. Y'all don't know any. Miss Sherry don't know a single long-winded preacher. And... Um, but uh, Ezekiel, that's, what, that's basically the difference between the major and the minor prophets is the fact that the major prophets had a lot to say and the minor prophets didn't have as much to say. Uh, that's really the difference between the two of them. Uh, it doesn't mean that Ezekiel is greater than Zechariah or, or Isaiah is greater than Malachi. It does not mean any of that. It just means that he had more to say and God, uh, uh, God gave him more words to pin down. Um, uh, his name, Ezekiel's name, means God strengthens. Ezekiel is known as the watchman of Israel or the prophet of hope uh, to the nation of Israel. He was prophesying uh, during the, uh, to the scattered tribes of Israel. We know Israel had been taken into captivity and they had been scattered. The northern kingdom at this time had been completely dissolved um, uh, by the Assyrians and uh, they have literally been scattered and they are in captivity and in this captivity is when Ezekiel begins to prophesy. His message was a message of hope uh, for the restoration of God's people and to, a, to become a super nation once again. Um, Ezekiel uh, was an exile prophet. He, along with Daniel, Zephaniah, uh, Jeremiah, Obadiah, Haggai, and Malachi and others, they preached and prophesied during a time of pre- and post-exile. Uh, they spoke of Israel's judgment, the need of repentance, and the rebirth of a strong nation. And finally, the re uh, resurrection of Israel, which we know is the prelude uh, for the coming of the Savior. 
uh, there was three waves of captivity that swept the people from Judea. In the first wave, King Nebuchadnezzar took a small group of, of select city, cit- citizens to Babylon. Uh, this group contained Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A few years later, uh, uh, Jehoiakim uh, rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, and some 10,000 more citizens of Judah were forced into exile. It is in this second wave where Ezekiel was washed up into the fight amongst fleshly king. Uh, around the year 586 B.C., another war was raised by Zedekiah, who led an uprising against Nebuchadnezzar, and Jerusalem suffered yet another detachment. Throughout this entire ordeal, Israel had been shaken, battered, bruised, disconnected, and the families torn apart. In all the drama, the people turned away from God. They thought that God no longer was speaking to them. uh, They thought God uh, did not hear their prayers. And Ezekiel came during a time to remind them that God is still on the throne. And can I tell you right now, in the day in which we live, when we look in the wickedness of this world, sometimes it's easy to get our eyes on our problems. It's easy to get our eyes on what's going on around us, and our mind and our thought. And sometimes we forget that God's not on the throne. But I've come to tell you tonight, church, that God is on the throne. God is still the same God that was on the throne here in the time of Ezekiel is the same God that's on the throne for us today. When you bow your head and pray tonight, guess what you're going to do tonight? You're going to tap into the same to the same powers that Ezekiel tapped into. You're going to tap into the same God. You're going to get the ear of the same God because He is still the same God today. And so we're going to look in this, uh, um, into this passage of Scripture here on these dry bones and we're going to answer these questions. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Number one tonight, I see this. I see the condition of the situation. I see the condition of the situation that Ezekiel is in. It is a, number one, an immense situation. Ezekiel describes the number of bones in the valley to be many bones. We know that uh, from what we read here that God has taken uh, Ezekiel out into a plain and took him out to a mountainside and let him look down into this valley, this valley of dry bones, and that God is about to speak life uh, back into these dry bones. And that's where we're at. And when, when uh, Ezekiel begins to describe these dry bones, he begins, and, and the first thing he says about him is there's many bones. Is there's many bones. And these bones that are here in uh, this valley is the bones of his people. It's the bones of the nation of Israel. It is the remnant. It is not the remnant. It is the remains of the only thing that's left of God's army. It looks like they're defeated, they're done, uh, they're over with. Um, He describes them as many bones. And I got to thinking about that. How many bones was in this valley? I looked this up. In the the human body, uh, I think this is right, there's 206 bones in the human body. There's a lot of bones (laughs) through the human body. I've never seen one of my bones. I I never have. I hope to never do. Uh, I know you can have a fracture and break a bone and and see it. I hope that that never happens. I, I don't want that to happen in my I broke my finger one time. It's still crooked. Look at that thing. Uh, I, I, did, I did break my finger. That's all I've ever done. We, uh, we thought Colt broke his foot this week, uh, but that become, that was a negative. He didn't. He's just limping. I think he's just a little, a little wuss. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's what he is. He's a little punk. Uh, he, don't, he ain't listening to me, apparently. But uh, uh, but anyway, there's 206 bones in the human body. 
So you think about that. Um, I thought about this too. Um, how much does that weigh? I looked it up today. You take all the bones of the human body and pile them up and weigh them, it weighs 15 pounds. 15 pounds, that's interesting to me. 15 pounds, uh, I'm big boned. I think, there's, I think there's more than 15 pounds of bones in my body. I'm just, I'm convinced of it. There, but, I, but what I'm trying to get at here is there is some, there's a lot of bones in this valley. You just think if it was a regiment of 100 men, 100 men, and then there was 206 bones per man. That's a lot of bones that are in this valley. There are many bones. It's immense. Um, when we look at the world outside of our four walls, we realize that there is an immense number of Christians that need revival. When we look outside of us, we'll realize that the problem, the situation that is before us is a world that is wicked, a world that is vile, a world that wants nothing to do with God. I've done this today. I googled the top headlines from Fox News this morning. This is what your media is, I mean, and this is Fox News. This ain't, this ain't the Communist News Network, I mean CNN, uh, and this ain't any of, any of those. It's Fox News. This is their headlines. Fifteen years after Times Square bombing, FBI warns of a predator could strike again. They're looking to strike fear in you, even through Fox News. I, I, just, I, I just want y'all to notice that. But anyway, look right here. We made Fox News National News this North Carolina did. Look right here, North Carolina man uh, slammed with prison term after beating a woman for 11 hours, according to the DA. That happened in North Carolina, and it made Fox National News. Look right here, the store employee accused of shooting a customer after an argument. I don't know what state where that was at, but that was just one of the headlines. California man jailed after allegedly entering high school and sexually assaulting three girls. That's wickedness. And they said there was four dead in a plane crash, including a college student and a flight instructor in Florida. Um, and what I've what I done today, the reason I've done that is, is because what I wanted you to see was what is our world concerned about? What do they want to see? What do they want to see and what, what, what's going on? I, and, and, and just realize this, our world is wicked. We live in a wicked society. We live in a society that would rather, uh, that would rather build up a gay and lesbian couple than they would the local church. They're more concerned about not making somebody upset than they are of understanding what God uh, set before us. This nation was a nation founded on God. It was a nation founded one nation under God. And I don't just say that because of that phrase. Go find your constitution. Do your research. Go to your constitution. Let me guess what you're going to find when you get to the early days of the constitution before they started making amendments to it. You're going to see a statement in there, and then right at the end of that statement, you're going to see a reference of where that statement or where uh, that thought came from. And then right after that, guess what you're going to see? A Bible verse to back up why they made that law, why they made this a rule or a law or whatever, however you want to look at it. This nation was a nation found on the principles of God. We, I, I don't want to step on anybody's toes or hurt anybody's feelings today, but here's the problem with this nation that we live in. They don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. They don't want to. Here's what we need to realize. The Bible said it was sin 2,000 years ago. Guess what, honey? It's sin today. If it was wrong in Bible times, it's wrong today. And so when we look at this world that we live in today, we realize that we live in a world that is a, an immense need for revival. It's an immense need. There is many bones. Can I tell you what I've done this morning when I got up and got, and got ready? I looked in the mirror, and I looked in the mirror of, of, a, of a mirror full of bones. And you know what? If I was honest with myself, I would probably say it's some dry bones. 
And if we were to look at ourselves, we would probably look in the mirror today and realize that we all are just a bunch of bones that are probably a little dry, that probably need a revival. Us as the church need a revival. Can I tell you what I need? I need God to revive me. We say so many times this world, our nation needs revival. We need revival to come. We need God to send revival in our nation. That's exactly what we need. But let me tell you where it's going to start at. It's going to start with God reviving me. God revive me. And you know what it's going to take, church, is realizing that I need to be revived and that you need to be revived. It's an immense problem. Look right here. That condition of that situation, not only was it immense, it was impossible. It was impossible. It was a very, the, he, he describes the bones as being very dry. For them bones that were in the, in the valley that day to be dried out, for the amount of time that it takes the human body to, to decompose and turn in the bones, we've got to realize that them bones were in that valley for a long time. That this problem that was before Ezekiel this, this day was not a problem that came up overnight. It was a problem that has been there and has been festering for a while. And what's the problem is we sit around on a church pew and we want to do things my way. We want to do things what I want, what I want. And now the problem may be, be just festering for a while. And your problem that you may have may be festering for a while. Look right here. The phrase, very dry bones, is unique within the Hebrew Scriptures. These aren't newly or recently dead. These have been dead a long, long time. Think for years or maybe even decades. And you think about that. You, we say this phrase, uh, America's just not what America used to be. Now I said this, I was talking to Daddy the other day. America that we live in today is not the same America that I lived in when I was a little boy. Um, and I heard my daddy say this, America, he told me this when I was a little boy, that America is not the same America that he grew up in when he was a little boy. And it's just not. It's, it's not the same America. And it's because we as a church have dropped our standards. We as a church have let little things build up into big things. We have said, we've been so stuck in our traditionalism. And let me just say right now, traditionalism is killing the churches. Uh, um, you go around churches today and, 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 and you can't even, uh, because one family has ran that church for so many years, it makes a problem. It does. Uh, it, it honestly does. Our preacher told me one time that uh, he got, he got a, a, a church spat uh, happened because he moved a painting that was placed on the wall. That somebody in that church's great-great-grandma some 40 years ago had bought that painting and put it on the wall. He said, the problem was, he said it was a pretty painting. He said it was. He said, but the frame had been cracked about four times. It had fell in the ground. They had moved it so many times during Christmas plays and different things. It just started looking bad, so they replaced it with a new one. Oh, it had a big spat in the church all over a painting. Are you more concerned about what your family means to the church, or are you more concerned about getting lost souls into the church? This church is not, I, I promise you, if, 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 if you, you vote me out tomorrow, the church is going to be here in a year. It's going to be. This church is not going to make it because of Heath Reese. It's not going to make it because of the Reese family. It's going to make it because God put his stamp of approval on what's going on and because God is the one that leads the church. And I don't mean to upset anybody, but it's, not going, to, it's going to do the same thing if you're gone tomorrow. It's going to do the same thing. God has always had a man and he will continue to have one. He's always had people to step up when times get hard. He's always had people there and God will continue. And that's what he'll do. With the help of the Lord, we all will continue. These bones were very dry. Uh, what's, the word bones occurs more often 
in Ezekiel 1 through 11, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 11, than any other Old Testament book besides Job or Psalms. The word bones. That's interesting. God wanted us to see something about these bones. And, and, and these bones here, yes, they were very dry, but there's more to those bones than being very dry. If you remember several weeks ago or even months ago now, I preached on uh, the life of, of Ephraim and the Ephraimites and how their pride destroyed them. I believe you can find their bones in this valley. I believe the bones that are in this valley are bones from men and women who I believe got prideful. They had, I mean, you think about this. Uh, before the, 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 the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, when they were serving God the way they were supposed to, like you think about it when David was, was king, look how they were thriving. Look how they were, they, they were one of the strongest nations in the world. Their enemies couldn't hold a candlestick to them. But yet, where do we find them now? They're dead in a valley of dry bones. The church, the church, the local church, I believe, can take a, take a visual and look at where they're at today. You look at the local church today, and I think the best way to describe it is probably a valley of dry bones. Some bones that are dry. What does the water represent in, the, in, the, in, the, in our Bible? Does anybody know? It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And when something is dry, that means the Holy Spirit's not... I mean, for these bones to be dry, that means there's no moisture in them. That means there's no water in them. That means what he's trying to say here is there's no Holy Spirit in them. And God is so far away from the local New Testament or the local church today, it ain't even funny in some of our churches. You just look around and see what they do. They're more, they're more apt to want to build up man than build up God. God said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. There's so many churches today that want to have fog machines and, and light shows. And, 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 have, and I'm not against singing. I love singing. I'm excited to hear Miss Mina and Nick sing on Sunday. I'm excited. Uh, I, I really am. I, I love to hear people sing. I'm excited about it. But can I tell you what, right now, if, if Miss Mina came in with her hair colored on Sunday with electric guitar and wants to step out here and try to stand on the platform and strum it a couple of times and, and, and try to bang her head to, some, uh, to rock music, guess what? I'm going to have to set her down and say, that ain't what we're going to do around here. Um, that, 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 that's not going to happen. Uh, I think some people like that. They'd like to see that, Miss Mina. I don't know if it's the hair color or the playing the electric guitar. I don't know what it is. But that's the thing, though. That, that's the big thing in churches today. And I'll be honest with you, church, I thought that's where it was headed. When I, when I was a teenager, when I was in my early 20s, I thought that the, 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 uh, this was my thought that uh, a contemporary movement was to, to, uh, to, to draw in young people. But here's the thing. It will draw in young people. Can I tell you why it will draw in young people? Because it's going to draw in their flesh. It makes you in your flesh. You may tell you why a, some church services look like a ball game. It's because that's what you're doing. You're appeasing to the flesh. And that's what, this is the problem. I got to thinking about revivals in the Bible when people were revived. And I got to thinking about situations like uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was dead. In Abraham's eyes for three days, in Abraham's mind, Isaac was dead for three days. What did he do when he got to the bottom of that mountain? He left the donkey and the two other servants. The donkey right there in that, in that story is a type of the flesh. He left the flesh behind to go and have revival with uh, uh, Isaac. 
They, Abraham left the flesh behind to go have revival with Isaac. When I look at these dry bones right here, guess what I don't see in that valley? I don't see flesh. The flesh is gone. The flesh is not there. And I believe what our Bible is trying to tell us, if we're going to have revival, we're going to have to get this flesh out of the way. We're going to have to realize it's not about us, that it's all about God. It's not about the one that gets to sing the specials. It's not about the one that gets to be the, the voice heard in the choir. It's not about even who's standing behind the pulpit. It's about, if there's a, if, if, it's about this right here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. If my people, which are called by my name, that's from the Lord. So if, what he's saying is if God's people will humble themselves and seek his face, he said, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. But it's going to take then. That's what it's going to take. This is an immense condition. It's, it's immense. There's, a, there's many. It's impossible. It's even to the point to where it's gotten incomprehensible. The, what this country needs, what the church needs, is even incomprehensible. Look right here. He says it's in an open valley. At this point, this valley, the, the point of it being an open and why it's described as an open valley, I believe it's this. I believe God is trying to show that because of their failures, their enemy has free reign at their family. Look at today. How many, how many churches and how many people do you see today where the mom and daddy's in church, but the kids are nowhere to be found? Think about that for a second. Mom and daddy's in church, but the kids are nowhere to be found. Because we've let our guard down. I'm here to tell you, I thank God for the restrictions my mama put on me as a kid. I'm thankful that at 25 years old, the night, of my, the night before my wedding, I was fixing to go on my honeymoon the next night, I had a curfew to be home at 11 o'clock. And if I wasn't, mama's going to come find me wherever I was at. I'm thankful when I was out with my buddies. And I didn't tell my mama that I was going to a certain place. And I called her and said I was already at that place headed home. And she fussed at me for doing that. Did it get on my nerves? Absolutely. But what did it teach me? It teach me to have boundaries. It teach me that there is a thing in this world called wrong. It's okay to look at our youngins and tell them it's wrong. It's okay to say that. So many times we'll say, well, the Bible says if you train a child up in the way that they'd go when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So just let them go on their, 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 their merry way. I taught them right. They know right from wrong. They know that it's wrong to do it. And, and it's good that you taught them right from wrong. But can I tell you what you need to do to your, to your grown kid if they're out and doing things in this world? You need to tell them it's wrong. You need to tell them that they're wrong. You need to tell them that's what happens. We've let our defenses down and it's caused this world uh, to be wicked. Look right here, I've got to move on. There, it's a, I see the condition of the situation right here. But I see the commands given to the servant. I see the commands given to the servant. Look right here. He was commanded to preach to those dry bones. He was commanded to. Can I tell you what, church? We need some people that are willing to go out and spread the gospel. You say, well, I, I, I'm not called to preach. I'm not. Okay, that's fine. But you're still called to go ye to all the nations and preach the gospel. What it means by that is go and present the gospel. You say, well, I just, I just can't do it. I get nervous in front of people. Is your nerves worth seeing somebody die and going to hell over you think we just set our, our nerves aside? We set our nervousness aside 
and go and invite somebody to church and tell them about the Lord? I think we can do that. Well, I, I only get one or two days off from work, and one of those days I spend here at the church. Why can't, why, why can't, why, why do I got to do this and that? Is that what it's all about? Is it all about you or is it all about God? What's it about, church? Is it all about you or is it all about God? If we get our mind on the things of God, we'll focus on God. God will send revival our way. Um, think about this right here. When, he, when God told Ezekiel to go preach to those dry bones, I wonder, this is a thought I had. I bet he thought, how foolish am I going to look standing out there preaching to a valley of dry bones? How foolish am I going to look? I'm sure he thought of that. But not one time do we find Ezekiel hesitating. He never hesitated. He put his head down and he went on. He was commanded to preach to the bones. Look right here. He was commanded to pray for the bones. He said he, said he prophesied under the wind. That wind is the Holy Spirit. He prayed to God that he would move on those dry bones. Let me tell you, we need to, why are we not seeing revival come? We're not praying. How much time have you spent this week praying that God would revive us? And I'm preaching to myself this evening. I promise you I ain't took the time I've needed to pray for you. I've not took the time I've needed to pray for my family. I've not took the time that I've needed to pray for our nation and for our church to see revival. So when I say I'm preaching to you tonight, I'm preaching to me as well. It's time that we get off our lazy tails, and that's, as, that's about as simple as I can put it, and start praying and start asking God to do something. Start missing some meals uh, for, for some lost souls. Where's our burden at, church? David said this, he said, is there not a cause? Church, is there not a cause out there tonight? Is there not a love? I guarantee you every one of us in here knows at least one person that is lost and dying and going to hell. Is, is, it worth, is it worth offending somebody and seeing them dying and going to hell? Is it worth that? Church, we need to, we need to set some things aside. We need, to, we need to tell them about the Lord. We need to pray for them. Look right here. I saw this, this quote, Dan. I thought it was interesting. It is our obligation to preach with divine urgency and pray with divine fervency. We'll read that again. It is our obligation to preach with divine urgency and pray with divine fervency. That word fervent in our Bible, uh, it says uh, uh, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word fervent is the word we get, uh, the Hebrew word that we get for a boiling pot of water. And our prayers should be likened unto a boiling pot of water, I believe, in that we constantly are in a state of prayer. Nowhere in this Bible does it tell you to study without ceasing, or does it tell you to preach without ceasing, or does it tell you to, to, uh, to, to witness without ceasing, but it does tell you to pray without ceasing. We should constantly be living in a state of prayer. How, often, how many hours go by in a day that we don't pray? Because we got our mind on everything else. And I'll be the first to say, I, I'm as guilty as any of them. I can sit there and I can sit and watch a race or I can watch a football game or a baseball game, spend two to three hours sitting there staring at the TV. It's hard for me to pray for 30 minutes. I'll just be honest with you. It's hard for me to pray for 30 minutes. It is. It, it, it is. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's hard for me to pray for 30 minutes. You set a timer on your watch, on your phone, to pray for 30 minutes and watch how hard it is. But there was, there, was a, a condi there was a condition of the situation. There was command given to the servant, but I see the conversion of the skeletons. 
I see the conversion of the skeletons. They were converted from death into life. Remember this. Don't forget that these bones were defeated. They were dead and they were dry. 1 John 3, 14, the first part of that verse says this. We know that we have passed from death into life. This, we, we were once dead and now we are alive. And that's what I'm saying. God can still do it again. If God can do it in your life, God can do it in others' lives. And God can, we can see people pass from death unto life. Look right here. They were, look at this right here. They, look at how they were activated. Um, these, they lived. The Bible said they lived. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up upon their feet. An exceeding great army. Look right here. They, uh, they, it was how they were activated. Look right here how they were animated. They stood up on their feet. Let me tell you what God needs. Some people that's going to stand up on their feet. You know what? When we see revival, we're going to see God stand. God put some feet. Uh, God's gonna, we're going to see people stand up when we see revival. And they're going to start standing up for the things of God. They're going to start standing up for God's house. They're going to start standing up uh, for God's man. They're going to start standing up for the things of God uh, when we see revival. They, we see how they were associated. They were an exceedingly great army, as the Bible says. And what I'm trying to get at tonight, church, is this. We need to realize the condition of that we see. That this is a lost and dying world. And they need a Savior. They need somebody to go out and tell them about the Lord. They need somebody to do that. They need somebody to go tell them. There's the commands that have been given to us. Just the same commands that was given to Ezekiel that day. The same commands that was given to Ezekiel that day is the same commands that we're given to, to, to the people of the, that we're responsible for. Ezekiel, he was only responsible to preach to those bones at those times. You've got some dry bones that you're responsible to preach to, that you're responsible to share the gospel with. Uh, well, I'm at my, my job house. I, uh, is, is your job worth a soul? Is your job more important to you than you earning a soul for the Lord? You need to check up if it is. We want revival? There's some things we've got to do. My people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and heal their lands. We'll come and get us a verse of some song tonight. I hope I wasn't too scattered. I really tried to get a lot in in a short amount of time. But I want to ask you tonight, church, do you want revival? Do you desire to see God move once again? This, this, this today, I, I, I went back and listened to some old messages from some podcasts that I have. And I reached back to, some, some, back to 2016 and actually found one of C.T. Townsend preaching in the Burlington Revival. And you know what? That Burlington Revival went 10 weeks. Thousands got saved. Several, several hundred called to preach. I think about the revival at Northwood, Foothills Revival. I think about it, the 200 that got saved there and the nine called to preach. I think about all those and it got me reminded, it got me thinking, I want to see God do it again. I want to see God do it again. I'm not asking Him to do it in the same manner. I'm just asking him to show up and revive me again. Put a fire deep inside my bones. Put a burden for lost souls inside me. And that's what we need tonight, church. Would you stand tonight and would you come? I'm going to bow around the altar here in a minute myself because I know I need help. I know I need God to put a deeper burden on me. I don't have the burden that I once had. Church, I want to ask you this question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you had a deeper burden for lost souls than you do now?